Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name, for you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Jeremiah. O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out, I must shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more of his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is all around. Denounce him. Let us denounce him. All my close friends are watching for me to stumble. Perhaps he can be enticed, and we can prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble, and they will not prevail. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, you test the righteous. You see the heart and the mind. Let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of evildoers. The word of the Lord. Now we will read Psalm 69, verses 8 through 20, responsibly by Holworth. Surely for your sake I have suffered reproach, and shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my own kindred, an alien to my mother's children. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. The scorn of those who scorn you has fallen upon me. I humbled myself with fasting, but that was turned to my reproach. I put on sackcloth also, and became a byword among them. Those who sit at the gate murmur against me, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, this is my prayer to you at the time you have set, O Lord. In your great mercy, O God, answer me with your unfailing help. Save me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Let me be rescued from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the torrent of waters wash over me. Neither let the deep swallow me up. Do not let the pit shut its mouth upon me. Answer me, O Lord, for your love is kind. In your great compassion, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant. Be swift and answer me, for I am in distress. Draw near to me and redeem me. Because of my enemies, deliver me. The second reading is from Romans. Shall we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve apostles, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is, not, it is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of household Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, Proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cheat to beat, sin to win. This was a phrase I heard growing up, originally from the mouth of my uncle, my dad's twin brother, who is also a pastor. As best I could tell, this phrase was uttered, uttered with every bit of irony, though it did often accompany quite a bit of cheating in family competitions like Thanksgiving Day football in the front yard or euchre around the kitchen table. Euchre, for those of you that don't know, is a Midwestern version of like spades, um, but has fewer cards so that we don't have to count as much. 
And you could bet on hearing me say this at some point, if you haven't already, if you stick around long enough, cheat to beat, sin to win. I also think that it provides a nice, pithy slogan for the way we tend to think about sin. Sin is, of course, not something we like to think about all that much, and it is perhaps too easily avoided in modern enlightened denominations such as our own. And of course, I cannot dismiss the very real experience of many of us where the doctrines and rhetoric of sin have been used in ways that do harm to us and call into question the dignity we bear. Many of us have been told that we are fundamentally sinful, and we have been made to believe that sin is the definitive essence of our humanity. I mean, St. Paul himself says earlier in the book of Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Unfortunately, we have reduced the cosmic burden of sin to simply refer to our behavior. So simply put, many of us have likely intuited that sin equals bad behavior. Perhaps this is not entirely far-fetched or unrelated, but Paul is speaking of something much larger than individual ethics and morality in Romans 6. When he reminds us earlier in Romans that all have sinned, he is not simply saying that we have all done bad things from time to time. Rather, he is setting up a rhetorical argument with one of his rivals, and he is establishing a view of the world, our world, that is in captivity to an oppressive reality called sin. He describes a tragedy wherein we are held captive, enslaved by this cosmic force, and it is an incarceration from which we must be delivered. Paul is an incurable follower of Jesus, and he has put all of his eggs into that basket. For Paul, our human contribution to salvation is all but absent. In the words of, in the story about Martin Luther, he's confronted by someone who says, well, what do we contribute to salvation? And he says, sin and resistance. That's, that's our contribution. For Paul, everything depends on the vicarious humanity of Jesus. Everything depends on the vicarious humanity of Jesus. When Paul speaks frequently of faith, he is referring not to our faith or belief, but to the faith of Jesus the faithfulness of Jesus. When Paul speaks of death and resurrection, there is no death and resurrection separate from that of Jesus's own death and resurrection. Jesus inaugurates a new reality present and growing amid the old. And for Paul, we live in the tension between two opposed realities, the dominion of sin and death on the one end and resurrection and life on the other the gospel Paul is so desperate to announce is that the dominion of sin and death, the lordship of sin and death, has been overthrown in the death and resurrection of Jesus the Lord. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. The body of Christ, the community of those who are in Christ, the church, is called to live as though the life and resurrection of Jesus and the lordship of Jesus are more determinative than sin and death. So Paul is emphatic that we must not continue as though we were captives to the dominion of sin. It is not simply a call to shape up. It's rather a call to imagine possibilities where death is not necessary 
and dehumanization is absurd. Too often we are trapped in ways of thinking and ways of seeing the world that continue to be enslaved to the dominion of sin and death. We continue to be held captive by the false god of wealth, the pursuit and pursuit of profit and wealth continues to be the language of our social relationships. This is not necessary. We continue to believe there are things like necessary evils and collateral damages, all of which are euphemisms for the disposability of human beings and their dignity, euphemisms for the lordship of sin. But even as the world continues to inhabit the corpse of the old reality, Paul insists that there is a new reality in Christ, in his body where everything that exists continues to be sustained by the faith of Christ and held safe in his undying life. In him we live and move and have our being. To hold fast to such a reality certainly has implications for our life together. So, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin because we have been crucified with Christ and alive to God in Christ Jesus, because we have been raised in a resurrection like his. In spite of the ongoing evidence that sin and death maintain their grip, the church's witness to the gospel abides in our unwillingness to acquiesce to the false world built upon the finality of death and instead live as though the resurrection of the Son of God has brought about a collapse of death's kingdom and has initiated a new creation already and always delivered from the bonds of sin and the dominion of death. Our reading from Romans is not an exhortation to behave. It is instead a continued proclamation of the gospel as Paul knows it, the proclamation that the righteousness of God has been revealed in Christ to be deliverance of all creation from its hopeless captivity to sin. It is not an exhortation to be a better person. It is the announcement that you and I are free to become who God has made us to be, to claim the dignity of our humanity, free from the chains that have held us back, free because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. It is a freedom to be creative in our pursuit of universal, universal dignity and care to be unhindered by the naysaying of those who continue to worship the dead gods of death and mammon under the guise of pragmatism. And be clear, this, <clears throat> this new creation will not emerge without struggle and suffering. The cross has told us as much. Jesus tells us as much. Any attempt to break from the norm and resist the incredible strength of the established and entitled habits of life will be met with the force of power and violence. When Jesus speaks in Matthew of the breakdown of the nuclear family, he tells us just how deeply the reign of sin and death is enshrined in our relationships, even the most intimate. Why else would a father and mother betray son and daughter, if not for an even deeper commitment to the way things already are under death's dominion. But if you have ever felt, <clears throat> if you have ever felt as I have, that we do not live in the world God believes we deserve, if you have ever felt as though you are held captive by the way things are, held captive to the constant pursuit of money, wealth, if you have ever thought or felt as though death is the most powerful force in this world, 
and that we are helpless against those who wield it to their favor. If you have ever felt alienated from your neighbors or even from yourself, if you have ever wished that a better world were possible, then St. Paul is proclaiming a reality beyond all of these things, not one in a far-off future or in the clouds, but rather one that is here among us and within us, begun in the faithfulness and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He reveals the world as it truly is, so that we can behold what we are amid every false claim upon our identity. You do not have to be perfect, and your faith does not have to be strong or full-grown. That has already been handled for us. We need only to love one another as though this better world were possible. I want to close with a poem entitled, by, entitled The Kingdom by R.S. Thomas, which seems to get at this other reality that exists right under our noses. The Kingdom. It's a long way off, but inside it there are quite different things going on. Festivals at which the poor man is king and the consumptive is healed. Mirrors in which the blind look at themselves and love looks at them back. And industry is for mending the bent bones and the minds fractured by life. It's a long way off, but to get there takes no time and admission is free. If you purge yourself of desire and present yourself with your need only and the simple offering of your faith, green as a leaf. Amen. Let us stand and reaffirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Be not for one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. In peace we pray to you, Lord God, for all people in their daily life and work, for our families and friends and neighbors, and for those who are alone. Remembering especially Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Bill, our governor, our courts of justice, and Pat and Richard, our mayors. We pray for this community, the nation, and the world. For all who work for justice, freedom, and peace. 
for the just and proper use of your creation, for the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression, remembering especially Sister and Gordon, Becky, Carolyn, Jeannie, Stephanie, family, Ed, Bill, Tony, Cal, Louisa, Catherine, Randy, Mariana, Martha, Mike, Alice and DeWitt, Doreen, Beth, Myra, Rick, Jay, John, Kim, Dana, Jackson, Jonathan, Patricia, Jonathan, Van, Sarah Beth, Jason, Daryl, Doc, Mike, Gary, Phyllis, Kim, Diane, Larry, Alice, Matt, Richard, Paul, Daryl, Don. We pray for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. For those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. For all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth. For Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris and Gordon, our deacons. In our diocese for Ascension, Knoxville. In our companion diocese of South Dakota, for Emmanuel, Rapid City, and St. Matthew, Rapid City. And for all bishops and other ministers. For all who serve God in his church. For the special needs and concerns of this congregation. Hear us, Lord. For your mercy is great. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our King. And praise your name forever and ever. We pray for all who have died. They may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. Who put their trust in you. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. And so uphold us by your Spirit, that we may live and serve you in newness of life, to the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now to the world in peace, and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you, with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
May God the Holy Trinity make you strong in faith and love, defend you on every side, and guide you in truth and peace. And the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord.